Oh man, better than Lord of the Rings, am I right? Except for the extended cut, that's, um, that's where it's at. How about that horse there? No, that wasn't even a horse, that was a cow. <laughs> uh, I love the, um, the woman with no shoes on and the, um, and the, the brooms just prodding. Um, classic. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Instagram, right? Um, those polls came out, what, six months ago, 12 months ago? Do you guys use them? Yeah? Okay. Is anyone... I've, I've, I, won't get a, I won't get a yes or no for this one. I saw the, the other day one of my year seven boys post. Uh, he asked the question, what do you think of me? And I'll let you know if you're right. I know, have you guys seen this? Yeah, so, so what do you think of me? People rate on a sliding scale. And then, he, then you'd screenshot it and correct them with what you actually think of them. I don't know what your reaction to that is. I reckon it's a bad idea. Um, but imagine living in a world, imagine living in a world where you put up a question on your Insta story and you ask, I don't know exactly how it works, you ask people what they think of you and you check back in a few, few hours, right? The first name on the list, the profile, is your God. Your God. He answers it. What's your, what's your reaction to that? You see that he's answered and, I don't know, you get him a notification or something and you, you haven't checked the answer yet. What do you think he will say? That's, um, uh, I, mean, I mean, what would his response be? I don't know if it's a little uh, thumbs up or thumbs down emoji. I don't know what people use. Um, uh, I'm obviously with the times. But what, what do you think God would rate you? Imagine if that was the case. Um, you don't actually have to imagine, though, because we've, we've got that tonight, actually. Um, we do live in a world where God has told us what he thinks of us. And so tonight, we're going to see from the Bible what God thinks of us. First of all, we'll look at Israel, his people, and see what God thought of them. And then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll look at us, and we'll, we'll see what he would rate us on that, on that slidey scale. Um, that's what we'll be thinking about. So last week, we met a, um, a Jewish married couple. Uh, from 3,000 years ago, Hosea and Gomer. I don't know if you've been reading that throughout the week. And so we saw that through them, God is trying to show something about his relationship with his people. You know, he's showing that, that he is the faithful husband and Israel is the adulterous wife. And I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where, um, where the other person says, hey, we need to talk. That is the most horrifying moment I've ever experienced. I don't know if you've had that. Um, but this is that moment for God's people. He lays it all on the table. Ready? Check, get, grab your Bibles. Uh, chapter 4, verse 1. It doesn't start with a, hey, we need to talk. It starts with a, hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you who live in the land. Um, hear, hear the word of the Lord. God is actually about to answer that Insta story, that Insta story poll for his people. Um, and he's, he's going to answer that for us. So hear the word of the Lord, EV youth. Um, hear, hear the word of the Lord. Here's the, here's the first thing we're going to see. We're going to see that loving sin makes us stubborn cows. 
makes us stubborn cows. See, God has something to say to his people. He tells them, we'll look at verse 1 there. He tells them what they don't have. He expects them to have something, but they don't, they don't, they don't got it. Uh, we'll read there. So hear the word. Oh, we've done that. Halfway through. There is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. So that's what he's after. But he doesn't get that. He finds something else. Verse 2. There is only cursing. Lying and murder, stealing and adultery, they break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. So God looks out. He looks out his, at his country, his people, Israel, and, and that's what he sees. Some, some, some people have um, personalities like animals, right? Uh, one, of, one of my mates is one of your leaders, and he's sitting in this room, um, and he's like a friendly puppy dog. Oh, that's, that's how people describe his personality. Uh, I've got another friend who's like an affectionate cat, if you can imagine that, in a human form. Um, what animal does God use to describe his people? Verse 14, flick there. The Israelites are stubborn, like a stubborn heifer or cow. How then can the Lord pasture them? Like lambs in a meadow. So let me explain this. Um, uh, what did God want his Old Testament people to be? Like lambs. People who not only know about God, other nations knew about God, he wanted his people to know him. So if you remember back to verse 1, feel free to look there again, where it says there was no acknowledgement. That can more literally be translated there was no knowing of him. Um, and so he wanted his lambs to know him. And look there, verse 16 again. So flipping around a bit. Verse 16, what did he want to do with his, his lambs? He wanted to be able to pasture them like lambs in a meadow. What's that? Well, he wants them and expect them to listen to him and go his way uh, and, and follow him. He wants them to hang off his every word. Uh, and and uh, it's kind of like a, um, like a puppy with with its owner, right? You want to be able to lead your puppy. The shepherd wants to be able to lead his sheep. That's what he expected. He wanted to lead them to the good life. And yet, what animal were they? How did he describe them? They're stubborn cows, like, like that video. Um, so let, let, me, let me show you this real quick. Um, I'm going to describe these people for you, what it, what, it would have been, uh, what it would have been like to live with them. And I want you to imagine... That these are the people that live in your street. Think about your home, your street. Um, imagine these are the people that live in your street. Now, I'm getting this out of um, verse 2 there. These people, uh, what is it? Curse. They threaten each other under their breath in anger. They lie to each other. They steal expensive stuff from each other. They secretly sleep and have sex with each other's partners and in the temples. They break all bounds. Check this. There's murder after murder after murder. Bloodshed follows bloodshed. You see that? You feel safe driving back into your street and popping over to the neighbor's place for dinner? No. Nah. No. Nah. I live in a rough street, but it's, not, it's, nothing, it's nothing like that. Um, so you can imagine what it would be like with these people as your neighbors. But that's just the externals. It's actually, it's actually what's underneath that's, that's the problem. 
That's the bigger problem. The problem is with their hearts. It's not, it's not just the externals. It's always deeper than that. Sin's always deeper than that. The problem is that they love sin. They love sin. So that he can say about the priests or the leaders. Uh, have a look at chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge... Oh, wait, hang on. I think I've got the wrong verse. We'll come to that later. Uh, actually, yeah, I got it. Chapter 4, verse 6. Um, because you have... Uh, no, I do have the wrong one. Uh, all right, got it. I think. Chapter 4, verse 7. It's right after it. Here we go. The more priests there were, the more they sinned against me. They exchanged their glorious God for something disgraceful. Ready? Check this out. These are the priests. They feed on the sins of my people and relish their wickedness. So the, so the leaders who were supposed to be the ones helping God's people live as lambs and listening to God's ways and loving them are the cheerleaders for sin. Do you, do you see that? They love sin. They don't, just, um, they don't just betray God. They love betraying God. And they cheer their people on when their people are betraying God. So it's loving sin. That makes, makes them stubborn cows. And stubborn they are. So that's, that's what God has to say to his people. If they put out an Insta story as a nation collectively, it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be good if God was honest with them. Does he rate them? Nah. No. No. So what about us? What, what about you? Uh, if, if you posted this Insta poll and you saw God's name pop up, what would his um, slidey scale on a thumb... Let's go with thumbs up. Let's pick thumbs up. Where would it be on the thumbs up slidey scale? What does he rate you? Because you might think you're a pretty good neighbor compared to those, those guys we were talking about just then, right? Uh, you know, you, you would say good day to your neighbors, that kind of thing. Um, but here's what I reckon Hosea shows us. God's rating no, wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good. Why? Because we're stubborn cows too. We're stubborn cows there. I, ho- I hope you're on the same page with me. I want to try to prove that to you. Think about it. What was it that made Israel like stubborn cows? It was their love for sin. They enjoyed sinning. They enjoyed a bunch of things that God hated. And so, do you, tough, tough questions, I know. Uh, but do you, do you see that in yourself? Do you see that in yourself? First one. Have you noticed that it's actually pretty easy for you to sin and keep on sinning? So lying, let's just take lying as an example. Um, it's actually, have you, have you noticed how difficult it is to tell the truth when there's a lot at stake? When actually if you, if you don't lie, you might get in a, in a, in a, in a real sticky spot. Have you noticed how hard it is to, to tell the truth then? Or how impossible it is, to, it seems, to control the things that come out of your mouth at school or, or, or at home or at work? Um, to, you know, classic stop swearing or to stop saying, oh my God, or to stop gossiping. Um, have you noticed how hard it is to stop yourself getting angry with your siblings or, or being jealous of 
friends or enemies at school in your year, uh, and that actually, I don't mind it when we, we, we're gossiping about that, that person. I, I, I feel proud of myself when I get out of that sticky spot after lying. Can you see how messed up that was, or that is, in your own life? Can you see your own uh, determination to sin there? Here's another one. Boom. Uh, let's bring that one up. Um, we just don't think about, oh, that's so smooth. It had a little fade as well. How good is that? Um, we, uh, here's another one. We don't think about God in the day-to-day. Um, you know, God is, the cent- is at the center of the universe. All things were made through him and for him. Everything was made by him, exists for his glory. Um, so even one hour of forgetting him and thinking that the money that we have is ours and the time that we have is ours, that's absurd. That's absurd. And yet, that's us, right? We're forgetful. We're stubborn. So loving sin makes us stubborn cows. I, I hope I don't actually need more... I, don't know, I hope I don't have to convince you much more of that. I trust we're on the same page there. So what, what will God do with stubborn cows? What, what will God do? That's the question that must come out as we're tracking with this. If we put ourselves in here and see that this is actually talking about us as, as stubborn people, you've got to go, okay, what's God going to do about that? And we're, we're going to track through some verses, uh, and, and we'll, we'll think about it in a sec. But first, think back to our, our friends. Uh, in Eastern Europe, wherever those farmers were. Um, well, Austria? They look kind of Austrian. The countryside looks Austrian. I think it was an Austrian bull. Um, let's think back to them. they got a stubborn cow on the road. People are trying to get to work or to get to a coffee date or something. Um, or, um, I don't know, whatever else. They're trying to get it on their way. And they've got this cow here. I think it's their cow on the road. And what, what do they do? So um, they... they well, we talked about it. The lady prods the cow in the bum. Uh, they, they pull it as hard as they can. They push it. They like kind of lean into it. And eventually, it only took a minute. They get the cow off the road. Um, woohoo! They, they got there. Uh, but what would you do? You're that woman. You're that guy with the massive epic beard. What do, what do you do if the cow doesn't, doesn't move after that first minute? And, and two minutes go by, ten minutes, an hour... A day goes by and your cow is still on the road. It's not moving. Uh, not even to get up and um, have some cow feed. What do you do? I don't know what they eat, to be honest. Um, what do you do? I'll tell you what I'd do. Here's, here's, the, here's my tried and tested way of moving stubborn cows. No, i got nothing. Um, I actually have no idea. Well, I mean, what do you do in that moment? That's the point. How do you move a cow that, that doesn't want to move? That's the, that's the thing that I'm trying to figure out. I don't know if you have any pets like that. It's determined to stay there. And so what, what will God do with these stubborn cows that he can't lead like lambs? Let's, let's track through some verses. Grab your Bibles. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6. We'll start there. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will uh, I also reject you as my priests. Because you have ignored the law of your God, 
I, will also, I also will ignore your children. Uh, flip forward to chapter 5, verse 4. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. Chapter, uh, just flick up a few verses there. Chapter six, uh, 5, verse 6. Chapter 5, verse 6. I think this is one of the hardest verses to, to hear in the book. 5 verse 6. When they go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. Oh, do you see that? God and his ways have been ignored, so the people will be ignored by God. But more actively, God will punish them. Uh, Can you see God saying that? A few verses later in verse 14. He describes himself as an animal in this one. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. Then I will return to my lair until they have borne their guilt and seek my faith. In their misery, they will earnestly seek me. Wow. Can he lead his people like lambs to, to the good life? No. No, no, no. His patience does run out. It does run out. And so he becomes their attacker. Like a lion. Horrible words. God is so done with them. If they want to be his again, they will have to come to him in his lair and earnestly seek him. Oh, man. What, what's your reaction as you hear that? Does he hear God say what he'll do with his people? I mean, it, on first read, it sounds a little harsh, right? Like a lion. Uh, but let me, let me try and show you a glimpse of how fair this is. Uh, so back in high school, I had a friend, a good friend, who every, uh, every couple of weeks, it felt like, would get cheated on by, a, by her boyfriend. And, you know, he would, she'd find out about it. Um, he would then come and say sorry, and she'd, she'd let him back every, every, time. every time. This literally went on for years. Girls, if um, that's happening to you, don't, don't let yourself get walked over like that and taken advantage of like that. I hope you're dating godly guys who love Jesus. If that's happening to you, though, there comes a point where it's good and right to say, nah. That's enough. I'm not going to take that anymore. It's fair that relationships like these should end. Um, and so, I've got friends who think, um, family, who think that God's love will never end. Which is true. I mean, that's true. But it's also misleading. It's also misleading. God's patience does run out. His patience does run out. I think you might have seen this last week. Um, he won't be, our God won't be walked over and taken advantage of forever. There's coming a point where God will say, that's enough. That's enough. Christian or non-Christian, by being determined to continue in your sin, you show yourself to be a stubborn cow and you make God your enemy. If God is fair and he isn't a pushover, 
he, he must, he must punish stubborn cows who treat him, not just, not just the boyfriend, treat him, the creator, like this. He, he doesn't hold out his hand forever. God's patience does run out. And I'm not making that up. It, his patience actually ran out with Israel. It actually did. And how do I know that? In history, uh, from the scriptures, um, here's the third thing we'll see, is that Israel actually got wrecked. They actually got wrecked, but that's not the end of the story. So Israel, history, 722 BC, um, God sends another nation from the north. They... Um, to take them out, and so they, they wipe out Israel. They take off some into captivity. And so what God said would happen actually happened. There actually came a point in history where God said, no, that's, I'm done. That, that's enough. Um, and Israel actually, here's the interesting thing, I reckon. Israel would have heard these words from Hosea's mouth, but like a stubborn cow, they didn't turn. They didn't turn. He wipes out stubborn people. That's That's... That's because he's fair. But that's not the end of the story for us, though, is it? You and me, sitting here, standing here, haven't been wiped out. Instead, instead, many of us have called on the name of the Lord and are saved. And we're, we're trusting Jesus. And we're now in an epic relationship that will go on forever. So what, um, here's the thing I want to think about. What is it about us that's different? To Israel, describing them as neighbors seemed wicked, right? Horrible. Um, so are we less stubborn? Well, it's not that. In fact, uh, Israel had a better chance than any of the nations to be, to be right with God and, and the least stubborn. Why? Because God chose them um, to give to, to uh, Abraham, right? Genesis 12 makes epic promises to them. He gives them the law at Sinai. Uh, he gives them the prophets. He gives them every chance. And so, are we less stubborn than them? Nah. No, no, no. It's actually that God has done much more, much more for us than even he did for the Israelites. He made, I can put it like this, he made a better marriage promise to us. It's a better covenant. Check out, um, check out we won't flick there, but Jeremiah 31, I hope you're familiar with this one. Jeremiah uh, spoke, prophesied at the same time as Hosea, same time in history. And he says this, God says this through Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I'll forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. See, Israel got wrecked. But what's the difference for us? Less stubborn? No, it's that our names are written in the book of life. That promise was for us. God takes it to a whole new level for us. The covenant, the new one, uh, won't depend on us bringing ourselves to know God. He will cause us to know Him. He's the one who does all the work to bring us into this marriage relationship. And so this is fulfilled when, when Jesus dies and arises again. So on the cross, don't miss this, by the way. Um, 
on the cross, Jesus treated like a stubborn cow so that stubborn cows can be treated like lambs who have loved God perfectly. So he, he dies, he rises again, and sends out his spirit, God's spirit, to give life to his people. And so, those of us who are in Christ won't get treated as our sins deserve. Won't get treated like our stubbornness deserves. Instead, God gives us the gift of faith and we're brought into this relationship with him. And so we can now read Hosea. We can read through these verses and we can own the fact that we are stubborn cows, but that we've been forgiven of that. Uh, flipping iPad. I've never used an iPad for this. Um, so Israel, we, we can own the fact that we are stubborn cows, but that we don't get treated like it. So Israel got wrecked. That's not the end of our story. Jesus sends out his spirit to give us life so we can confidently say, we can confidently say, even though it sounds offensive, hey, I know God. I do. I know him. I know him. So if, so if God's going to do this for us start to finish, do we just kick back, wait for that to happen? No, God works through our, through our actions to bring about his saving purposes. And so the book of Hosea does have a very real and urgent thing to tell us. Press on. Press on to know God. Wherever you're at, press on to know him. Check out, the, check out chapter 6, verse 1. Beautiful words. Come, let us return to the Lord. Pause there. What will happen when we do that? Um, Keep going. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. That's that word again. Know the Lord. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. If you, if you aren't a Christian yet, um, you're, let me just tell you something, something quick. You are living in the best time in human history. You're living in a very unique time in human history. We're in a small window where God still holds out his hand, waiting for anyone who would come back to him to, to come back. So God offers you peace with him if you have it. You've got to want it, though. Stubborn cows, they stay in the middle of the road. Um, uh, and so he, though he will punish stubborn cows, he's, that time hasn't come yet. He's, he's patient. And he's, and he's holding out his hand. So, chapter 6, verse 1. Come. Return to the Lord. Now, I'm not talking there about becoming a better person. That's, that's not what I mean. I'm talking about come to him in the sense that um, you now acknowledge him as your king. You acknowledge him as your boss. Do that. Become a Christian. At the very least, um, at the very least start considering if these things are true, if there is a God. Um, start asking your mates, your friends, um, about why they believe this stuff. Consider who the man Jesus is. And if, if you've been understanding what I've been telling you about this God, 
you will want to come to him. How could you, how could you not? Uh, so press into that. Press on to know God. Christians, you press on to know God. You press on to know God. How comforting those verses are, chapter 6. As surely as the sun rises each day, he has appeared to us. He has come to us again, showered us with his grace. And now because his spirit is living in us, we can now more and more follow him like the lambs we, we should have been from the start. We've got his spirit and so we can do that. Led by him towards the good life. As Christians, we, we can look at Israel's stubborn hearts and go, yeah, nah, I'm, I'm different. That's, that's not me. So, so praise God for saving us. And yet, we, he has saved us. We still need to press on to know him. You've, you've got, um, this will be no surprise to you, you've got idols buried deep. And if you, if you do stubbornly hold, hold on to them, you find yourself hardened to God so that you won't realize that you're not a Christian anymore. Um, so to finish, here's two ways you can press on to know God. One, get rid of those idols. Get rid of them. Remember uh, Fat um, this year? Uh, we were chucking through idolatry with Jono. That was epic. One night we wrote down on a little piece of paper an idol of ours. And then we went outside and we literally burned it um, to help us remember, um, to help us figure out what it looks like to, to take, take out the actual idols in our hearts. I wonder if you remember what you wrote down. I, I do remember what I wrote down. And so thanks to God, I have been again and again seeing that in my life and working hard to tear that out week in, week out. Um, and so it's, it's not about perfection, it's about progress. And so I wonder if you've been seeing that in, in, in your own heart. Can you see that progress? Turn from your idols. And did you notice... Uh, Chapter 6, verse 1, come, let us return to the Lord. That's not an individual, individual thing you just do on your own. It's, a, it's us together helping each other pull out those idols and, and live the way God would have us live. So tell someone tonight that, that um, you've been noticing this or that creep into your heart and tell someone what you want to do about that and work on that together. Give them permission to say, Oi, I'm seeing that in you again. Let's, let's deal with this. Help each other get rid of idols. That's the first one. Um, so we've taken notes. Firstly, um, deal with your idols. Um, second way we can press on to know the Lord is to plan ways to get to know Him better. Plan ways. I don't know what this will look like for you. Um, it's, yeah, you'll you have to think about that. This year I've been, from the start of the year, I think for a couple months, I just read through Luke and wrote down everything Jesus says about himself in a little notebook. And so day in, day out, just writing notes about what Jesus says about himself, his claims. And that was epic. That helped me know my God better. Um, and my, for me as well, I've been thinking about this this week. It's, it's going to mean reading those books that are just sitting on my bedside table that I've been meaning to get around to. What will it look like for you to plan ways to get to know your God better? I've got no idea. I don't I know some of you, but not all of you, and I know what, what your week looks like. But it might mean um, uh, taking Exodus and writing down in a notebook all the characteristics that you see about God. All these characteristics. That'd be worthwhile. Um, it might mean uh, 
planning to get a coffee with a friend every week and read an epic Christian book. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll leave that to you. But plan ways to get to know him better. Press, press on to know him. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask for his help as we do that. I'm going to ask for his help, our God's help, to show us those idols in us and then to deal with them and, to, and actually to press on to know him. So um, why, don't, why don't you pray with me? <clears throat> oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can call you Father and that you do not give us what our sins deserve. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us be humble as we think about our own hearts. Please bring us low as we see what's really there. Help us to tear out our idols for your name's sake. And we pray you'd help us to press on to know you day in, day out, week in, week out, and together. Please be blessing us as we do this, um, that we might please you with our weekend, with our week, uh, with our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.